I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 437 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that's coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, all right, all right. I have an incredible guest to bring you guys today. Academy Award-winning actor Matthew McConaughey joins me on the podcast. McConaughey, of course, won the Oscar for Best Actor with just an incredible performance in Dallas Buyers Club. You've seen him in other smash hit movies like Magic Mike, Interstellar, Lincoln Lawyer, The Wedding Planner, and so many other hit movies. He also starred in the smash hit HBO drama True Detective. He's won all the major acting awards, including the Golden Globe Award, MTV Movie Award, People's Choice Award, the Screen Actors Guild Award, and on and on and on. He is one of the most recognizable actors in all of Hollywood, but more importantly, he is a first-class father all the way. He has got a new book out titled Green Lights, and if you guys are a fan of Matthew McConaughey, I highly recommend and you download the audiobook. McConaughey narrates the book, and it is extremely well done. I've listened to a ton of audiobooks. I knock them out at least one a week, and this was quite an experience that I really enjoyed. The link to the book is in today's show notes. It's an honor to have him on the podcast today. Matthew McConaughey will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Matthew McConaughey was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you'd like to watch today's conversation between the Oscar winner and myself, please get over there and hit me with a subscribe on YouTube. The link to that is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, and I do understand that having Matthew McConaughey on the podcast will bring many first-time listeners to the show here, and I'd like to say welcome to all of you that are tuning in for the first time. My mission here on the podcast is to celebrate fatherhood and family life and hopefully change that negative narrative that so many young men have about fatherhood and starting a family. I do this by bringing on men who have just crushed it in life, yet they testify that it's been through the experience of becoming a father that has given them a true sense of fulfillment. So I'd like to invite you to scroll through the catalog of dads that I've interviewed here on the podcast, including skateboarding legend Tony Hawk, UFC president Dana White, NFL GOAT Tom Brady, Navy SEAL Jocko Willing, Backstreet Boy Nick Carter, and hundreds of other dads. I'm sure you're going to find one that you'll be interested in listening to. And make sure you guys are following me over on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace, where you can hear all the upcoming guest announcements and so much more. Next week on the podcast, WWE superstar AJ Styles and comedian Maz Jabrani will be here with me. If you guys do enjoy the podcast, I ask that you do hit me with a rating or review on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you're listening. It really goes a long way to help me out. And as always, I ask the dads, please help me spread the podcast, spread the message with every father that's in your neighborhood or in your contact list. Let them know about the show that is here celebrating fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to be right back with Academy Award winning actor Matthew McConaughey. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, if we learned anything this last year, it's that building health and immunity is more important than ever, and that all begins with what you put on your plate. Bell Campo is on a mission to revolutionize the meat industry for the well-being of people, the planet, and animals by farming meat the right way 
with certified humane, regenerative, and climate-positive practices, which means it's better for you, the planet, and the animals. That's a trifecta that I'm proud to be a part of, and right now, First Class Fatherhood listeners can have Belcampo sustainably raised meats delivered right to your door using my promo code FATHERHOOD at belcampo.com forward slash fatherhood and get 20% off your first order. Go visit belcampo.com forward slash fatherhood. Use the promo code FATHERHOOD at the checkout and save 20% off your first order at Belcampo. Joining me now, First Class Father, Matthew McConaughey. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Hey, good to be here. Good to be a father, too. <laughs> well, let's start it right there. How many kids do you have? How old are they? I got three. I got a Levi, 12, Vita's our daughter at 10, and Livingston's our other son at eight. So we got three. Yeah, very cool. What kind of sports or activities are they all into? Well, um, they've all kind of taken up soccer because one, their they're, they're mother's Brazilian, uh, so soccer's in their blood. Number two, my work takes me all over the world. And so whether you're in Cleveland, Jersey, Mauritius, South Africa, Switzerland, or Iceland, they're the one ball, the international game, is that soccer ball. So they can pick up a game wherever they go. Um, they ball, they all, uh, the two young boys are uh, uh, pretty crafty at football. They both got some speed. Um, and my uh, eldest is really taking an affection to surfing when we can get to the coast. He really, really is taking affection to that. Um, the girl, my daughter, Vita, um, she's getting into volleyball. Um, we're trying to get her a little bit more into uh, the activity of sports because she's actually quite coordinated and pretty, pretty, pretty darn, good, darn good at it when she puts her mind to it. Um, but those would be the sports they're into. Yeah, very cool. And, and jumping here uh, on the book, Green Lights, I mentioned to you before, I listened to the audio book. I thought it was uh, phenomenal. I love the way you do the, the the voices of all the different people in your life, especially the Australian family, and then how you change your pitch for the prescribes and for the notes to self. Uh, uh, I cool. thought it was really well done. I listened to a lot well, of audio books. So um, for my listeners here, what can you tell my listeners? Um, why did you decide to write the book? And what can my listeners expect when they read Green Lights? Here's what you got, man. So I've been keeping journals for 36 years. Um, I've been threatening to, to go away with those journals and see if something was worth sharing in a book. I didn't have the courage to do that because I said, I'm going to, I don't want to go look back at the last 50 years of my life. I'm going to be embarrassed. I'm going to be ashamed. I'm going to see a egotistical, cocky little SOB that I was at certain times and not like him. But, uh, about two and a half years ago, I did get the courage to go, well, let's go find out what I got and who I've been over the last 50 years and see if I got something worth sharing. Um, was I embarrassed? You damn right I was. Was I ashamed? Yes, I was. Was I that cocky little SOB I thought I was? Yeah, I was. But most of the times I was embarrassed, I ended up laughing. Most of the things I was ashamed of, I ended up forgiving myself for. And then what I figured, what I found out um, of those times when I was a little arrogant SOB is the times in my life when I was that little arrogant SOB, it gave me the confidence to put myself in a position to get humbled very quickly after that. Um, so look, green lights, it's an approach book, man. I, we're all trying to work out this riddle called life. I've learned some things along the way. I've seen things, heard things, stole things, tried to use things. Some of them work. Some of them didn't. I've kept a track of the things that did that I think are applicable to anybody. 
uh, personally. Um, and I pointed out some things that did not work that I think are applicable to anybody else. So hopefully you can get some, uh, some, some few wisdom bombs out of it that might help, might help you get a little more satisfied in your own life. And hopefully you're going to get a few belly laughs along the way, maybe even at my expense. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, I'm definitely going to include the link in the description of this podcast episode so my listeners can get over there, tap it, and take a listen. Now, one thing I found interesting, Matthew, here, you talk about uh, when you auditioned for A Time to Kill and you got an opportunity to go for the lead part, and, and they told you, hey, how would you play this part as Matthew McConaughey? How would he play the part? And you weren't a father yet at the time, but you kind of went into the imagination of how would a father be in this situation. Now, years later, you are a father. Uh, looking back, how did becoming a father kind of change your perspective? And looking back, do you think you hit that pretty accurately in that audition? Well, I think I did. Um, you know, if you if, if you look back at the film, A Time to Kill, there's a final summation that the character Jake Brigance, the character that I was playing, makes. And it's it's he goes to the heart of the matter um, and challenges the jury. You know, what if this happened to your daughter? Um, and it would happen to be it was it was about race relations. It was an all white jury and the crime had been committed to a, a young black girl. So in the summa- in summation, this final sort of coup de gras pitch is now what if this little girl was white? But it was all really about I mean, what if you had a daughter? What if it was your child and this happened? What would you feel? Um I felt like I had a good understanding of that back then, even though I was not biologically and literally a father in my own life. Again, as I bring up in the book, the one thing, the only thing I've ever known that I wanted to be was a father. I knew since I was eight years old that I wanted to be a father, that that to me is, oh, when you've made it in life, when you've succeeded. Now, I've become a father. What happens when we become fathers? Well, one, as any parent, kind of knows directly or indirectly, now we sort of become immortal. Now our lineage is passed on. We passed on a generation that hopefully outlives us and passes on another generation. Um, what else have I learned as a father that I did not know then? Well, that it's more DNA than environment than I thought. I mean, they are who they are when they come out of their mother's womb. And yeah, we can shepherd them, but they are their own individuals, much more so than I thought they were before becoming a father. Um, you know, but now you start living for the, you start living for the, the, the future and you're in, in, in anywhere we go as fathers out in our life alone, even if our children aren't with us, we are still the couriers. We still have them. Every action we take out, out in life, even that's not directly with our children, it affects our, our children. So we're not just living for ourselves anymore. We, we, we brought these little creatures into the, into the world that need us. Don't just want us, need us for their survival. Yeah, right on with that. I, I love the fact that I consider you like an ambassador for fatherhood, too, because you've always known you wanted to be a dad. We, right now, we got a fatherless crisis going on in the country. we got too many kids are growing up without a father, without a father figure. So we need voices like yours out there to shed the light on how important it is to become a father. Well, Alec, it's it's an epidemic, and it's 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 another one. I know, I know we're all talking about the COVID. But one of the one of the epidemics we got going is what you just brought up. We've had it going for a while. Fatherless. Look, we all got to understand. More people have to understand that um, fatherhood's a verb. It ain't like you helped make the baby and then you did it, and now you're a father. Oh, now the work just begins, and so. If we're going to say, let's just say for stereotypes, we're going to keep our child, child's are going to stay in our house till they're 18 on average. All right. It's 18 years of hard, good work to be a father. You can't just say, oh, I'm a father and, and be and be a, and be a no show just because you made the baby. No, you may be 
uh, a daddy, but you, you had, you're not the father yet. The fatherhood takes work. Um, hopefully you can have a two-parent home where you and the mother have a similar moral bottom line for with which to, you know, understand what you expect of your children and they can understand what's expected of them, that we can prepare our children to be able to go out in the world when, say, they're 18 and go out alone and navigate and negotiate the world because the world's tough out there. And as you know, as all fathers know, fatherhood doesn't mean you're the best friend. They don't need a best friend right now. You can be a best friend to them later on, you know, and also saying no is a hell of a lot harder than saying yes. What takes a hell of a lot more time, but I think it's worth it because if they don't understand, if we don't prepare them the right way for consequences in our, and while they're in our household, they're going to get out in the world, not be able to negotiate and the real world bites a hell of a lot harder than the world does when you're a child growing up at home 18 and under so we got to get them prepared for that and yeah we need as many we you know we got too many too many too many fathers quit early pull the pull, pull the parachute early and say oh the going got tough i'm out no no no. that's part of the deal hang in there man yeah yeah very well said matthew i know you talk a lot about your father in the book and uh your, your father passed away just as you were getting to, started in your acting career here my, my, both of my parents passed away before i became a father myself too so i talk a lot about that parenting without parents, which is, uh, yeah. creates a lot of different challenges. And I know you talked about a lot where your dad was important was, uh, the rite of passage. Yeah. Do you have anything kind of set up like for your kids of, of a rite of passage, obviously it'd be a little different, but do you have any kind of a uh, similar rite of passage that you would expect your kids to go through? Well, I mean, I believe in rites of passage. I believe that through experiences, through hardships, through crisis, for, through overcoming things, through, you know, being scared of the damn dark and understanding that you, you still got to sleep through the night until the sunrise that get, builds character in a child. Um, you know, face, we all have, every child has their own monsters in their proverbial dreams or the things they're fearful of. Maybe they don't want to cross the street. Maybe they don't want to go talk to strangers. Maybe they don't want to go up and 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 and, and ask somebody for something. They come up and they ask us, hey, will you go ask for me? No, no, you, you go do it. You go negotiate. I know you're scared of it. Well, if, you, if you're scared to go ask and try and get it for, for, for yourself, well, then you're not going to get it. So there are certain small rites of passages, but by 18 or sooner, I mean, I want, I want my, I want my children to have, you know, Cried the right kind of tears, sweat the right kind of sweat the right kind of sweats, uh, um, been fearful of things and overcome them. Uh, you know, I call this is what I call it. I call it like, you know, kids aren't afraid of heights until they fall out of the tree. All right. And I think that it's a real art as a parent of when how high of a limb do we go ask them to get down from? And I think sometimes we get them down from limbs that are too close to the ground. It, they need to fall down, get bruised. They need to fall down and go, oh, that hurt. Now, we don't want them to fall from a height so high that they're breaking their arm. But sometimes we go get them off that limb and go, no, 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 no. And we teach them to be afraid of heights before they ever fell. Now, maybe it's better for them to, to have that fall where they go, oh, geez, that outcome didn't. I, I feel a little pain from that. And you go, yeah, I, uh, you know, I. I, I told you, you know, or, or I didn't tell you, but it's what, how high is the limb that we tell them, hey, come on down, buddy, because we, we fear for them. And sometimes 
you know, we get them off of limbs too early that are too close to the ground where actually they may, they need, they need to have that. They need to fall down and get back up and learn that lesson. So yeah. there's all kinds of rights of passage. I go about it a different way than my parents did, but um, I'm still trying to instill the same values in them. Um, again, so they can go out and negotiate life. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Right on with that, Matthew. And, and, and one of the things too, uh, when it comes to discipline, I, now you got the girl on the second try. I, it took us, we got three boys, then got the girl on the end. If we didn't get her on four, we'd have five by now, but we got her and she runs the show <laughs> over here now. But uh, my discipline uh, philosophy is a little bit different. So what, what type of disciplinarian are you as a father? And is it different with your sons than it is with your daughter? Well, Hey everybody, McConaughey here. Check this out. Now I've been in this life for 50 years. I've been keeping diaries of the clues to life's riddles for the last 35. Recently, I worked up the courage to sit down with those diaries. So I took a one-way ticket to the desert and 52 days later came out of there with this book. This is a love letter to life, but it's also a guide to finding a state of satisfaction and success that I call catching green lights something we can all do as well as realize that the yellow and the red lights in our life eventually turn green this is green lights tap the link in the description of today's podcast episode to get your copy of green lights by matthew mcconaughey today All right, dads, if you're looking for a great night's sleep, you have got to get a MyPillow. Guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. There's a reason why MyPillows are flying off the shelf, and that's because it is a first-class product that's made right here in the United States of America. And the comfort doesn't stop with just the MyPillow. Check out MyPillow.com, and you'll see a whole wide variety of comfortable products, such as towel sets, Giza Dream Sheets, mattress toppers, MyPillow bathrobes, pajama sets, and so much more. You guys have heard my interview with First Class Father and MyPillow founder Mike Lindell right here on the podcast. And right now, First Class Fatherhood listeners can save up to 66% off their orders. That's right, up to 66% off on MyPillow.com by using the promo code FATHERHOOD. Or simply call 1-800-875-0219 and your savings will be instantly applied. Don't go another night without a MyPillow. Visit MyPillow.com and use the promo code FATHERHOOD or call 1-800-875-0219 and save up to 66% off your order on MyPillow. Uh, my discipline uh, philosophy is a little bit different. So what, what type of disciplinary are you as a father and is it different with your sons than it is with your daughter? Well, it is a little bit. I mean, it, it kind of goes a little bit personality wise. Like, yeah, my daughter, you know, a raised voice to her <gasps> it penetrates her a lot more than, say, my youngest son. My youngest son wants to come up and actually, you know, keep pressing, keep pushing. You know what I mean? Um, so we've tried to find what's important to them that maybe we can take away if they're not living up to their responsibilities, whether it's chores around the house, whether it's taking care of the dogs, whether it's manners in the house, whether it's attitude, what are the things we can take away? Now, some kids are more stubborn than others. My daughter doesn't need much at all. Like I said, man, just even raise your voice and go, now Vita, oh man, she, that penetrates her. She goes off and thinks about it. Well, I can do the same thing to my youngest son, and that doesn't penetrate him. So for him, I said, okay, you know, for instance, we're going to take away uh, um, screen time. 
he didn't give a damn, man. He didn't give a damn for like a week. <laughs> and we're like, well, that didn't matter. But then I said, all right, you can have your screen time, but I'm taking away all balls. Whoa, that hit him. No balls, no football, no, 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 no basketball, no soccer ball. That hit him. So I was like, ah, we found the sweet spot. We found what really matters to him, which got his attention to go, okay, I get it. In his eight-year-old mind, I, if I act this way, I will go without something that I love, and that feels painful to me. I don't like that. Okay, so I'm going to get back in line and handle my duties. So it's different. You know, my eldest son is much more sensitive than my youngest son in that way. Um, he, if you explain something to him, you got to talk to him a lot more, but if you explain something to him and he clicks and gets it, he goes, oh, I get it. I see what I did wrong. You're right. Thank you for letting me know. I'm not going to do that again. So he, so I, you got to deal with it different ways with, with different children. Um, you know, and you know, my, my parents did it the old school way. You got in trouble. You just bent over, you got the whoop and you moved on. <laughs> Um, we don't, Camilla and I don't choose to, to, to discipline our children that way. And I'm not judging it as right or wrong, but we choose to go about it a different way. You know, parents these days, we all, we, we talk and explain things to our kids a lot more than our parents probably did. You know, I grew up in the generation of my parents said, Be, why do I got to do this? Because I said so. And that was it. <laughs> no explanation. Um, so yeah, I try to explain a little bit more and, and my wife does too, um, but even that, you can only explain so much because if you, if you, if you, if you, you know, sometimes we all got those kids that if you keep explaining uh, over the dinner table, if you keep it up, you're going to see that sunrise and you're going to still be explaining. <laughs> yeah, and I think it goes back to what we were saying with the fatherless problem there too, Matthew. Like I, I grew up, I always had that kind of wait till your father gets home and that was enough to kind of set me on the straight and narrow. And if you don't have that type of, of discipline or that type of, um, not fear, but that kind of uh, awareness that there's this kind of consequence for this, I think it leads to these devastating results we see in our communities. Well, and, and look, I, I don't want to discredit, and, and the world does like to discredit fear as being the wrong kind of coercion. But uh, I know I've I had a fear and res- I had a fear of my father. I think it was a healthy fear. I, I write about this. Look, there are things I did not do when I was growing up that I shouldn't have done for fear of the consequences that my father would get me if I got caught. That I remember sitting there with peers about to go do something and me going, well, this will be real fun, but it won't be more fun then how unfun it's going to be if I get caught. No, yeah. thank you. I'll pass. <laughs> you know, so there was a healthy fear. Um, and so there, there's a, there is, I believe in a healthy fear that, um, that leads into respect that leads into, Oh, maybe, you know, cause if, if whoever's at home with the kids during the day, there's a sort of a, a daily ritual of a discipline. And so to know that, Oh, I know the way I grew up was mom handled day to day. She handled it pretty damn well and clearly. Uh, but when that did come, as you said, wait till your father gets home. or I'm calling your father at work and dad's going, you're interrupting me at work. Wait, son, you did something that made your mom interrupt me at work. Gosh. <laughs> and you were like, oh, no. You know, and it, it, there was a healthy fear there that I know I grew up with that I think you're, you're, you're leaning into talking about, um, and not, not, not abuse, but a healthy fear. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a distinction between the two. And I'll tell you what, you definitely don't hold back in the book, green lights. You really lay it all out there. Now, when you wrote the book, did you kind of have it in mind that, Hey, my children are going to read this one day. Like did that come into your mind and about how old would you want your kids to be before they do actually read the book? Yeah. 
Um, you know, it's the book is similar to like all the movies I've done. People ask me all the time, what's your kid's favorite movies you've done? I'm like, well, I haven't done many they can watch. You know what I mean? That's until I went and did Sing 2, Sing and Sing 2 and Kubo and the Two Strings and maybe two or three more. But 40 of my 40 of my 50 films, my kids can't watch. They're not they're not ready for that yet. Now, the book. They're not ready for that book yet either. The book, if they would read it now, they would have more too many questions and maybe be confused about, wait, what does this mean? They wouldn't be able to get the context of situations. I'm, you know, I'm thinking around 15, 16, 60 will be around the age where they will understand what I'm talking about. They'll understand context of situations that um, uh, uh, that there was a cause and effect that I that I contradicted myself many times, and we do that going through life. That uh, to say to to say to not say some my, you know the way my parents raised me was wrong does not mean I 100% approve of the way they did. To approve of the way my parents did raise me, which I do, is not saying oh I'm going to raise my kids the same way either. So there's context um, that they still have to understand. And I'm guessing 15, 16 years old. Yeah, very cool. And how about this? If they turn green lights into a movie, who would you see playing a young Matthew McConaughey? And who plays Matthew McConaughey? Uh, that, that, that'd, be, McConaughey. that'd be my son, Levi. Very cool. That'd be my son, Levi. Yeah, and, and, and obviously you just mentioned there too that you did sing. You did a couple of the projects for the kids so that they can see them and stuff like that. I know Sing too. That drops what later this year? What could we expect? We're going yeah later this year. I believe Christmas this year. Sing two coming out. Buster oh. Moon. Yeah. And what about as far as yourself now? What kind of um what kind of goals or or, or kind of uh, projects you have for yourself yeah. lined up here for the future? Well, I'm looking at some leadership roles and what what is my most useful position as as a leader? I I, I feel like I've got some tools to help uh, inspire individuals to be more competent at our values. I believe that values and redefining again, a common denominator of values and expectations amongst us um, needs to be redefined. We got to put those on the table again. I believe that's the solid footing with which we can all as a people step forward um, where those, you know, values are those principles we can all agree on that don't have anything to do with who you voted on, that don't have anything to do with what church you went to, but they're social contracts between us um, that I can expect from you and you can expect from me and we can each expect from ourselves. I believe it starts with the individual, the person in the mirror, to sit there and look ourselves each in the mirror and say, hey, if I can be a little bit better at this today, and if you can too, and the next person can too, that's how we build a collective change. Um, that that's that's what I'm working on now. That's new. And then, as you know, as a father, it's not like after you become a father, if you still got children in the house, not necessarily about finding a whole bunch of new goals. It's about the things we've already built family. How do I let the roots as a father grow wider and deeper within my responsibilities as being a father uh, with being a better husband? Um, so those are things that I've already started. There were original goals, but I still got a lot of work to do. As I said, fatherhood's a verb. Uh, even husbandry is a verb. So how do I, you know, how do I keep building um, and, and, and help shepherd my children? I got a lot of work to do. Again, mine are 12, 10, and 8. I got the teens coming up, man. I hear that's a, a real roller coaster. So I got work to do. So it's, it's, it's if, I can, if I can send, if Camille and I can send three 
autonomous, independent, confident, conscientious young men and women out into the world, that'd make me the most happy. Yeah, well, well said. Yeah, I agree. I, I think if we're going to uh, make this a better future for everybody, I think it's going to start at the dinner table rather than the ballot box. I think it's really important. I'm, I'm with we- you. I'm with you right there because you and I, you and I, we can, that's not overly intimidating. We can control that. It's hard, but we got a much better chance of controlling that. Um, and we got to remember, we put leaders in position to lead. And whether there are leaders that we want in position or not, even if they are the leaders that we want position, especially if they're the ones we want in that position, we got to remember they can't do the work for us. All they can do is lay out a vision that we may agree or disagree on or want to go on, but they cannot do the work for us. Um, and so, yeah, if we can, if we can handle, if we can handle our dinner table, enough of us handle the dinner table, we're handling a whole lot. Yeah, right on with that. Last thing I'm going to hit you with here, Matthew, I'd love to ask all the dads that are get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for the new dad or for that about to be father who's out there listening? Well, first one is this. If you're about to be a father, the first six months after your newborn, your head, heart, and gut will never be more aligned in your life. You will never be, man is never more masculine. And I don't mean macho, I mean masculine. The clarity of man's masculinity is, is, is at its peak that first six months after having a newborn. So anything you have instincts on, any career choice or relationship choice you have at that time, triple down on it, man. I mean, quadruple down on it. Clean house, clear the board because you're, you're aligned like you've never been before. Um, you've just realized that you're on top of the world because you've helped bring in this new life. You just realize that you're not just living for yourself anymore. That you have someone, a living being, you've got a shepherd through life. And that creates a, a really acute cl- clarity of awareness for a man. Um, and then uh, two, um, like I said, fatherhood's a verb. The work just starts. You help make the baby. Now the work starts. It's your, you know, I make movies, but my children are my epic. You know what I mean? That's that's the one that, that I'm in production on them for the rest of my life and in hardcore production for the first 18 years of their life while they're in my house. That's and that's daily construction, maintenance, architecture, <laughs> and and put the hard hat on, man. It's it's all there's it's hard. It's the it's the right kind of hard work. It's the right kind of hard. The best thing we could put out there is children in the world that 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 we can be honored to say they're our son or daughter, and they can be honored to say that we're their father. Yeah, extremely well said. Uh, this has been an honor for me. I got to say, Matthew McConaughey, you're a first class father all the way. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. You got it. Let's keep it up. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Matthew McConaughey for giving me a few minutes of his time here. It was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me that DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. Don't forget, check out the book, Green Lights. The link is in the description of today's podcast episode. Make sure you follow me over on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace to find out all the upcoming guest announcements. Next week on the podcast, WWE superstar AJ Styles and comedian Maz Jabrani will be here. That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. Thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers.